1208. This is Jeff Wagner. Glad to have you with us. This is one of those days, warning up in advance. I, I'm in a mood. In a mood. Don't know where the program... Actually, I know where the program is going to go. And trying to figure out why. The weather is great outside. I think it's because I am hungry. I told this story Monday morning. It's all my wife's fault. She made me breakfast. She made me a bagel. I bite into it and take a big chunk out of one of my... The top left teeth in the very back. And Dennis can't get me in until tomorrow morning at 8. So I have been... Doesn't hurt... But I have been nursing it, meaning nothing but soft food and stuff since Monday. And so I think it kind of wears on you after a while. But so I, I think maybe that's what's contributing to all this. A lot of ground to cover. An update on what we talked about at the beginning of the show yesterday. This liar, Joy Reid, who maybe you don't know who Joy Reid is. You have to watch MSNBC. But she is... An African-American woman, she is a rising star. She's got her own two-hour Saturday show. She's made her bones at MSNBC because she is deep in Trump derangement syndrome. I understand that you can be in favor of the president, you can be against him, but she's just whacked out. And she's been, she is one of these flamethrowers on the left, you have them on the right as well, who just say the most outrageous sort of things, and, and she's been embraced by the MSNBC audience. Well, all right, before she was a TV star personality, she was a blogger, if you haven't followed the story. And back in 2005, 2006, 2007, when nobody knew who she was, she had this blog. It was called The Read, her last name spelled R-E-I-D, The Read Report. And on this, she posted some of the most incredibly mean and homophobic comments that you could uh, imagine. All right, certainly not the thing that an enlightened lefty would do. Well, all right, a number of these surfaced in December, and and she owned it up. She said, yeah, I I posted these various things. I, I did. I'm sorry about it. All right, well, what's happened since then is a lot more of these sort of postings have have showed up. Um, uh, I, I can't even use some of the language that she uses, but she's taking on Rosie O'Donnell, for example. She's talking about well, various other personalities engaging in sexual contact. You know, it, and a lot of it is extremely homophobic. So more of these things have now surfaced. Instead of simply owning it, yeah, I, I posted all these as well. She is saying publicly. That no, 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 I, I posted a lot of this, the first stuff, but all this other stuff that is coming out, 2005, 2006, and 2007, I was a victim. I was hacked. I didn't write any of this, this stuff. And she has apparently gone as far as having her lawyer contact the FBI saying, you know, we want an investigation to determine, you know, the, the nature of this hacking. All right. Well, the late, and of course, you talk to a bunch of these cybersecurity experts, and they're looking at this case, and pretty much everybody says, eh, this, this, this doesn't make any sense. You know, this, this doesn't show any sort of hacking. These postings back in 2005 and 2006 and 2007, you mean, you know, you're, you're just noticing them now? Nobody believes her. And the story has gotten even more tenuous because yesterday, the Library of Congress, which runs the various websites. What happened is she would post stuff, and then what would happen is there were a couple Internet outfits that would take screenshots of of what was on the computer screen. So even if you went back and deleted your blog post, it would still be available because somebody had taken a screen capture of it. Now, so they have all these things, 
And her point has been, I was hacked. Okay, somebody did this to me, and even though a bunch of the stuff that has now come out is completely consistent with the other things that I've already owned, I had to be, I was hacked. Library of Congress says yesterday, well, you know, we've been able to go back and figure out when these screenshots were taken. And the screenshots we have were all taken in January of 2007. So if the implication is somebody went in and hacked old stuff that she had written after she became famous, that's not true. That's not true because this was all done in January of 2007. So the question becomes, okay, who would have gone in and done something like this, you know, back when you were a nobody? You know, and it's just, and again, everybody, I think, except MSNBC and NBC, is acknowledging that she's probably lying. Here's where it gets interesting, though. Like I say, through her attorney, they've apparently referred this matter to the FBI. And I say, great, because here's what should happen. Um, Just ask Michael Flynn. Lying to the FBI is a federal crime. I would encourage the FBI now to go out and to interview this Joy Reid. Get her making a statement, not some public statement, not something through her lawyer. Get her to explain. If she wants to tell the FBI in the context of a police report, yes, I was hacked. So she then is committing a felony. If it turns out she's lying, fine. Go ahead and do that. But the latest developments today from the Library of Congress make it very clear that Joy Reid is apparently, I think, any reasonable person would conclude that her story does not hold water, that she is lying. And again, to me, it's not necessarily did she write all these different homophobic posts or these nasty posts about other liberals when she was trying to get attention, but it's the fact that she's apparently not willing to own up to this latest batch, and you have NBC and MSNBC covering up and making excuses for her. And if you want to talk about double standards, if that was a conservative commentator on a local radio station or on a national platform or a conservative commenter, commentator on TV, and it came out that 10 years ago you were making all these, saying all these horrible things and you then lied about it, you know that they would be fired. Will NBC step up? Will MSNBC step up? And will the FBI do what the woman's attorney is apparently asking? Investigate whether this was a hack. And if it turns out that she is lying to them, will the U.S. Attorney's Office bring charges? Just asking. When we come back, a controversy in West Dallas that demonstrates, well, either the power or the craziness of social media. We'll discuss. Stick around. It's 1215. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. From the WTMJ Breaking News Center, I'm Mike Spaulding. Just in right now, Mike Pompeo has been uh, confirmed as the 70th United States Secretary of State. The Senate going through that confirmation just a few minutes ago. We will continue on with this coverage, and you can find more at WTMJ.com. WTMJ Newstime, 1218. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The home team has won every game in the series so far, and Greg Matzik believes that trend will continue tonight for the Bucks. He'll explain why when he's live from the Bradley Center before the game, uh, before game six, starting at 6.07 tonight. All right. I, I Look, I think, this is like, just a quick comment on the Bucks. Um I think that a lot of times complaining about refereeing and stuff doesn't get you anywhere. But I was watching the end of the game yesterday, and I, I confess 
um, like Tuesday night, I was I was watching the Brewers. I was watching the Brewers, and I, I was kind of flipping back and forth to watch the Bucks. And I always do kind of watch the last couple minutes of NBA games. The Bucks are behind by five points. They are playing really good defense, something you haven't heard a lot this year. The guy from the Boston Celtics, the 24-second clock, you know, if you're not a pro basketball fan, you got 24 seconds to shoot the ball. The 24-second clock expires, right? There's a horn that's supposed to sound, lights go off behind the backboard, and you lose the ball, right? What happens is there's a player for the Celtics. His name's Al Horford. He's got the ball. The clock expires. The lights come on. And I, I swear, it was at least another second that he shoots the ball. So they should have stopped play. He shoots the ball. He misses. The Celtics get the rebound. And then they get a chance to run off, you know, another 20, 30 seconds of the clock. Did that make a difference necessarily? No. But it was just an incredibly bad call. I mean, and this is one that you, you don't need to go to an instant replay and see, is it a fraction of second? Did the ball leave his hand a fraction of a second? He clearly, I mean, I, I think it was probably close to a second. This is something that everybody in the building, except the three blind mice that were the referees, catch. And then what they say is they say, well, okay, if the basket the ball had gone in, it's reviewable. But since it didn't go in, we, we can't review it. So it wasn't a shot clock violation. Then predictably, the NBA comes out yesterday and says they got it wrong. How could you get something like this wrong? These three guys that were refereeing the game, all three of them collectively missed it. Now, if you don't want to believe that they were in the tank for the Celtics, fine. That means that they are incompetent, and those three should not be refereeing another game this year. This is one of those. This isn't a judgment call. This is a staggeringly easy call. They missed that it. it went against the, the Bucks. Did that change the game? I don't know, but... It's the type of mistake that you cannot allow to happen. And it's not, I mean, I guess you chalk it up as human error, but you got three humans that are making the error. Anyhow, Bucks game six tonight. All right. Here is the story. Um, it comes from onmilwaukee.com and Molly Snyder, who's a guest occasionally on Wisconsin's Morning News. Now, let me kind of back into this topic. I collect bars the way some people collect stamps. I've told these stories before. When I go to new towns, I always like to find interesting bars. I'll actually do some research about, hey, you know, what are some of the interesting bars in these towns? Are they historical or whatever? And then I'll go to see them. I, I, I enjoy doing that. I also have an affinity for dive bars. I mean, I like, I mean, I like the classy, fancy bars, but you know what? I like those kind of dive bars where you walk in and, you know, the owner's sitting and drinking Pabst Blue Ribbon out of a, one of those shorties at the end of the thing, and there's a dog on the floor, and, you know, they've got $1.50 beers. I, I, pint beer, I like that kind of place. So I, I speak lovingly of dive bars. There's a dive bar that I go to occasionally in Cedarburg. And I know the owner says, you'll call the place a dive bar. And I'll say, well, look around. You know, it's, it, but I love it. You know, you got the pool table in the back, and you've got the, uh, you've got the oven that makes the pizzas, you know, and, and I love if you travel around Wisconsin, one of the cool things is you pull into a lot of towns and you will see some of these different bars, whether they're dive bars or whether they're just kind of like the local hangouts that have been there forever. They've got great names, you know, and the, for example, you know, you, you'll pull into the place and it'll have Frank's not in, you know, I mean, I just, I love places like that. Frank's not in or whatever. Okay. So there is a bar in West Alice. Let me read you Molly Snyder's story. Here's on onmilwaukee.com. West Alice Bar name accused of referencing rape culture. 
a West Dallas bar that's been around since the 1940s is now the center of social media scrutiny. The bar is named Walk Her In, W-A-L-K-H-E-R In, Walk Her In. It's located on South 74th Street. It's a play on words because the bar is also located on Walker Street. Okay, so yeah, I guess it's on the corner or something. In any event, so it's Walker Street, South 74th Street. So it's called Walk Her In. Right, that's what the bar name. Now they have kind of like a slogan or whatever, and it's a cartoon picture of like think Fred Flintstone, think the caveman days. And you've got the caveman, the guy in the Fred Flintstone outfit, and he's dragging he's dragging the woman by the hair. And so their 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 motto, their slogan, their joke thing, it's the walk her in. It's called walk her in, drag her out. And it's got a cartoon. All right? So that that's that's what it is. This particular bar has been around for a long, long time. The bar has been named, well, let me read you the rest of the um, On Milwaukee story. Uh, Yesterday, while driving through the neighborhood, um, somebody sees this establishment for the first time. Now, the bar has been there forever. Takes a photo of the bar's painted sign. Again, this is the one with the caveman and the cave woman. Puts it on Facebook with outraged commentary. The post has since caught the attention, almost entirely negative, from many social media users in the media. Many responders to the post believe the name suggests the assault of women. Okay, the people who own this place, they they took over the bar in 2009. Um, Apparently, it has been named this for a long, long time. The folks on Facebook outraged. They say, walk her in, drag her out. This is offensive. It promotes rape. Um, This is awful. And now the TV stations are descending on the place as well. Apparently, one of these people um, (laughs) then gets the mayor of West Dallas involved in this, again, for reasons that kind of pass understanding. You know, he says that um, he's never been in the place He's never, uh, there's a reason for that. I don't know what that might be. Mayor of West Dallas then goes on to say, I talked to the city attorney to see if there was anything we can do, and he tells me that there's not. So, you know, we're just going to have to kind of live with this. You know, we can't stop the different name. But now there is all this outrage because it's called the Walk Her In. And people are saying, all right, this promotes the rape culture. The mayor, for his point, Dan Devine, says he contacted the city planner to find out if a community could demand a business change its name. Technically, it cannot. It is a free speech issue. And then he says this is a perfect example of why you need to spend your money in businesses that you want to see in your community, like the West Dallas West Allian Brewing Company. So apparently the mayor is suggesting don't go to this place. I guess go to another place. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, this place has had this name for a long, long time. Nobody has apparently been offended by this. Nobody has thought this promotes the rape culture. Nobody has seen this as an attack on women. 
and tell one person driving around yesterday or the day before that or two days before that who sees it and becomes offended. And now you have everybody else on social media that is equally as offended from the perspective of the bar owners. I think they're saying, hey, it's been like this forever. We don't have women being assaulted here. It's not pro-rape. Nobody's pro-rape. It's just a play on words. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, do we need to boycott this particular tavern? Um, Should we support other businesses in the community of West Dallas other than this particular one? Are people right to be offended by this? Or is this just another example of people... The, the perpetually offended and the politically correct driving around looking for something to be offended by and then jumping on this. And, of course, on the Internet, you have all these other people desperately looking for a life who then decide that they are going to wade in as well. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is very Flintstone-ish in the like the drawing and things like that. Walk her in, drag her out. Ha, ha, ha. It is a play on words. It has been there for decades. Should we be offended? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1227, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1229, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I I swear, these stories are getting on my last nerve. All right. Somebody's driving around. They see this bar in West Dallas called the Walker Inn. Their joke slogan is, walk her in, drag her out. They've got a picture of a caveman and a cavewoman. Oh, my gosh, this is terrible. Dennis in West Dallas. Dennis, your neck of the woods. Hi, Jeff. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Much appreciated. Yes, sir. Uh, lived uh, lived right down the block from Walker Inn uh, for almost 20 years now. Uh, uh, know the owners quite well. I guess you could call it our own little cheers, Jeff. Okay. Uh, just like you said, a neighborhood bar, uh, friendly people, all walks of life, all colors, all necessities. Uh, just it's it's just open open to the public. Um, I can't believe someone would come by and see that. I, I remember a story 15 years ago when my daughter was in driver's ed, and the driver's ed teacher came down the street because it's one way for a couple blocks, and they, and they even said, oh, there's the walker in. <laughs> and it's just, it's been a mainstay. I can't believe the mayor said what he said. Well, no, that, that, I mean, Dan Devine goes brain dead on this one. Let me ask you this, Dennis. I mean, I, one thing I can't talk I know the the bar has been operating since like the 1940s. So it's been the Walker Inn for decades, right? Correct, correct. Ever ever since I I actually uh, knew the knew the bar across the street back in the mid mid uh, mid late 70s, and it okay. was a Walker Inn then. I just happened to coincidentally move into the neighborhood. Okay, so we're we're, we're talking about we're talking about 30, 40, 50 years. Nobody's been bothered by it until one whiny person driving around now gets upset about it. it, it exactly, and I guess that's. I guess whatever happened to you know the enterprise of a of of, a, of an individual owning a business and right. uh, well, a, it was kind of a joke. You know, it's walking. a joke, right? It's it, a joke, Jeff. Right? No, thanks. I mean, it, and it's, it's got a cartoon. Okay, we're going to pick it up right there. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Are we being insensitive to the rape culture? It's a bar that has been in existence for God knows how long. They call it. It's the Walker Inn. And then it's got Walker in, drag her out. That it's, and then somebody's all offended by this. And then, of course, you got the mayor saying, "Well, I wouldn't go to this place." Twelve thirty-six. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, so it, Jeff, if it's if it's not promoting the rape culture, what does 
walk her in, drag her out. What is that slogan? Well, I'll tell you what it means. Okay, first of all, it, it's it's a comic thing, and it, it's couple goes into a bar, lady has too much to drink, guy has to drag her home. That's what it means. But you have one of these snowflakes who driving by in the last day or so sees this, she's offended, and now everybody on social media, or at least a handful of people on social media are offended. I hope the owners don't cave into this stuff. And I don't care if Channel 6 or Channel 4 shows up and they want to film stuff. At some point in time, you have to say, look, you know, just because somebody somewhere is offended by something doesn't mean that that squeaky wheel needs to always get the grease. Let's talk to Mary in West Dallas. Mary, you're neck of the woods as well. Hello. Hello. Hi, Mary. What do you think? Well, Dennis stole my thunder, and the funny thing is he lives upstairs from me. Okay. And I was appalled. And funny you said that because I talked to some friends, and I'm like, what's wrong with the snowflakes? And they said, Mary, you are offending people. And I'm like, whatever. (laughs) It's a great little neighborhood bar. I've been in it. I have friends that come there just after they hear the name. Um, it, yeah, it's a clever I, name. It's 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 like it's, Frank's think, not in. Okay, it's it's the walk her in, right? I think it's a great. People need to lighten up and have a sense of humor. And I cannot believe. And for the, well, Dan Devine will never get my vote again. Really. Well, I I don't know. I, look, I like Dan Devine, but I, you want to talk about just going brain dead on an issue? So you get one you get one whiny complaint. And then I'm going to call the city attorney to see if there's anything that we can do about it. I would never go in this place. Okay, well, the place has been in business since the 1940s. Why are you dissing local businesses just because some whiny complainer who may or may not even live in West Dallas is upset about this? For Dan Devine, the lesson is shut your mouth. Yeah, it's just a nice little local bar. I've met the owners. I There's never any problems or issues. Yeah. So I hope it goes. I saw on the news Channel Twelve was there, and I'm like, oh, I cannot oh. believe it. Well, well exactly. I, hope, I mean, I it, and it's it's a cartoonish sort of thing. And here's what happens. I, I mean, I hope the owners, you know, every, all, too, all too often, you know, people cave into the political correctness that's out there. Oh my gosh, you know, somebody is offended. We have to do something. I hope this is one where the owners just say, look. Okay, no reasonable person thinks that this is promoting the rape culture. We have been in business for X number of years under this name. We don't have sexual assaults at this place. And just because somebody perceives it this way, that maybe says more about the person who's making the complaint than it does about us. And I hope they don't change the name. Well, and I never, ever thought of what they're saying it is until it was on TV. I mean, unless you drive by, it's painted on the door, so it's not even on the sign. And I saw somebody said, well, I'm more offended because they have a Blackhawk hockey (laughs) Right. Maybe I should call the TV station because I'm not a Blackhawk fan. Yeah, no, thanks, Nicole. But, I mean, mean, this is the type of thing that, that is out there that in today's day and age we are looking for something to be offended about. Richard on the north side. Richard, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello there. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I grew up in West Dallas. I'm 72 years old. Basically, don't go to too many bars at my age anymore. Kegel's in for a fish fry. I love Kegel's. Now, love it. I, yeah, I love Kegel's, and their beer is great. But now I have a second place to go. <laughs> That'll be my way of boycotting. I'll be going there this week some night to go in and have a beer. You know, Richard, it is funny you said that because I was thinking the same thing sometime in the next couple days. I am going, I'm, I'm going to do the same thing. I don't know that I can do it tonight and I got something else I have to do tomorrow. But sometime in the next two or three days, I am going to 
stop in to the Walker Inn, and I'm going to have a beer, too, just to support this place that is getting, at least in the mind of some people, some bad publicity. And I think a lot of people should do that as well. This is how you stand up to the snowflake culture when people complain about things. Absolutely. This is absolutely ridiculous, and I'm just, you get sick and tired of it. One well, after another after another, and you just got to say, all right, I'll go on the opposite side of this, and I'll go support them. Well, exactly. Right. And see, thanks for, and see, and this is another one of these examples also of these made-up controversies that come out over the Internet. Earlier this week, okay, and, and they can have an impact on, on businesses. They, they can. Remember earlier this week, you had the story about Bel Air Cantina, and you had the, the bozo who's at the Bel Air Cantina after the Bucks game on Sunday afternoon, and he posts the picture of Giannis there, and he says, hey, guy walked in, to, here's the star of the Bucks. He walked in, nobody greeted him, he stood around for 10 minutes and, and left. He posts that, all the TV stations that cover it, guppy on that story, nobody asks anything critically. Um, one TV station writes it up as this is a fiasco for the business. It's a debacle. Well, it turns out the story wasn't true, or at least it wasn't accurate the way it was presented. Giannis goes into this restaurant. He's immediately greeted by the manager. They say, hey, I'm sorry, we've got this long wait. They wait for a couple minutes. I doubt it was 10 minutes. And then they turn around. They say, okay, well, no problem. We understand you're busy. We'll go somewhere else. That's the story. Uh, But, of course, the Internet, all you need is one person to make that point make that claim, and then all you know what ends up breaking loose and the business gets bad press. I mean, seriously, um, walk her in, drag her out. Oh, this is terrible. We've suddenly discovered that this is a place that promotes rape. Huh? Helen in Waukesha. Helen, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Oh, my Lord. I tell you, people, people used to actually live lives and not be perpetually offended by every little thing. But now, since social media has come out and all this stuff with um, the rapes and the molestations and stuff, now every little thing is, oh, my God, that promotes rape, that promotes this. And, you know, people really have to start learning to take things in well, just stride. Like, right. And I mean, if it's really something bad, denounce then it. Absolutely. put it on social media. Right. But for something like this, for one person, oh, my God, they're promoting rape. It's a bar. Oh, my God. Now, thank, Helen, thank, thanks for coming. So i gotta, I got to take a quick break. But, yes, it's just like this is the type of stuff that makes your head explode. My response is, I'm going to go have a beer there sometime in the next couple of days. I'll report back. All I hope is the beer is cold. That's what I want. 1243, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. From the WTMJ Breaking News Center, I'm Melissa Barclay. Jurors in the retrial of Bill Cosby on sex assault charges have reached a verdict. That's according to court officials. The verdict will be read shortly. Attorneys Cosby and court staffers have been called back to the Montgomery County courtroom. Panel of about seven men and five women have been deliberating for 14 hours. The 80-year-old comedian is accused of drugging and violating a woman at his suburban Philadelphia home back in 2004. Again, jurors in the retrial of Bill Cosby on sex assault charges have reached a verdict. More details right now online at WTMJ.com and on the WTMJ mobile app. 1248, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We will, crew who's producing the show, when, when I, I don't want the coverage before that, but once they get around to actually reading the verdict, we will dip into the coverage. I don't, um, I've been following the trial, but not closely enough to have, I don't know what's going to happen in this one. Don't, don't know what's happening. I think this could go 
um, either way. The Bucks and the Celtics are back in Milwaukee as the Brewers make their way to Wrigley Field for a showdown with the Cubs. Ted Davis is on that call for Game 6. Our Bucks coverage starts at 6.40 here on 620 WTMJ. You can catch the Brewers on 94.5 KTI Country starting at 6.35. There is a lot going on in the world of sports today in Milwaukee. You've got Game 6, the Bucks and the Celtics. That's at the Bradley Center. You've got the Brewers playing at Wrigley Field against the Cubs. Eight wins in a row. They're playing really good baseball. And, of course, you've got this little thing called the NFL Draft. We're going to have all sorts of online coverage to that. But if you are a sports fan, today today is the Super Bowl. Today is the NFL Championship. Today is the College Baseball Championship and the World Series kind of all rolled into one. So um, check it all out and keep it here on WTMJ. And we will bring you the coverage of the Cosby verdict when it happens. Just a, just a couple more thoughts. I'm, I'm getting actually swamped with... Um, messages from people who've actually been in this bar. Here's Gary in Milwaukee. It's the Walker Inn because it's on the corner of Walker and 7th Avenue and and 74th. And the name was made to remember the location. Great people, super clean bar, and super friendly servers. That's from Gary in West Dallas. Somebody else, maybe the people complaining about the name of the bar should go in and see what it's all about. I think they would be surprised to find that their accusations about date rape couldn't be more inaccurate. Um, They just need to let it go. Yeah, that's... I mean, it's amazing how people are offended by this stuff. There's a, a chain of chain of places. They're called Dick's Last Resort. They've got one down um, in Chicago on on the pier. There's one in San Diego. There's one in Cleveland. I've been in those three, and I think they've got them in all sorts of other places. And it's it's sort of a kind of fun place, and it's a bar. And they one of the things on the menu, PG thirteen warning here, is they sell crabs. They sell like hard shell crabs and stuff. The place is called Dick's Last Resort. One of the things, they sell t-shirts, they sell underwear, they sell all sorts of stuff that has the slogan, I got crabs at Dick's. <laughs> okay, that's that, and oh my gosh, how can you, you know, I'm going to be offended, I'm going to be appalled by that, that's just terrible, that's promoting, I don't know, sexual misconduct or whatever. No, I mean, the bottom line on all this stuff is kind of lighten up Snowflake. And I guess the other coda to the story is to, to the mayor of West Dallas, Dan Devine, just because somebody calls you up and asks you for your opinion on something doesn't mean you always have to have one without thinking about it. And I think he was, I think, guilty of not thinking too much about this. All right. Big story number two. And actually, I am fascinated by this. Let me back into this story. Um, I have driven, I've driven an SUV, gosh, probably for the last 25 years. I mean, I had a, had a Ford Explorer that I loved. Then they kind of made them bigger. I had, I had two Ford Escapes. Now I drive a Honda CRV. So I, I, I drive SUVs. I, 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 I like the extra room in it, even though I don't, you know, it's not like I'm hauling around a bunch of kids and stuff. I also like sitting up above uh, a little bit higher. I, I think it helps my visibility. You know, agree or disagree, I happen to like SUVs. Um, so here, here's the deal. So I've got an SUV. My wife has a sedan. And she's eh, been kind of so-so on this particular car. So I said, okay, here's the deal. Let's Let's get you a new car. And so... I, I was thinking, all right, we, we have, we've been married less than a year or something. Maybe what we can do is we can go out and we'll let, let's buy like a really nice like luxury sedan or something like that. So then, then, then we'll have it. I, I've, I've never owned a really expensive car. Oh, maybe we'll, 
And I'm not talking about stupid, expensive, like you know, hundred thousand dollar Jaguars. But maybe let's let's look at a car, and um, and then that car can be for you, and I can drive it from time to time. Well, she on occasion has driven my SUV. So about a week or so ago, she says to me, "You know, um, I really like your SUV. I, I like sitting up higher. I like the fact that it's got this extra room in it. So she's, we've got four grandchildren. You know, we can put all the grandkids in there, and they're not going to be crowded and stuff. I, I, I kind of like the SUV. So she says, "Well, I tell you, if you want, you know, if you want to get a new car, a new sedan, just give me the SUV. It's only a year old. It's got twenty some." thousand miles on it okay breaking news we'll be back in just a minute um melissa barkley let's dip in here from the wtmj breaking news center i'm melissa barkley jurors in the retrial of bill cosby on the sex assault charges have reached a verdict they have reached a verdict and found him guilty in a montgomery county courtroom again bill cosby on sex assault charges they've reached a verdict the jurors there and they're reporting that he has been found guilty in a montgomery county courtroom We'll have more details on WTMJ.com and on the WTMJ mobile app and at the top of the hour at 1 o'clock. It's 12.53. This is Jeff Wagner. Yeah, um, again, I, I wasn't sure which way this was going to go. The, the, of course, this is the trial that ended earlier in a hung jury. The different dynamic about this trial is the judge uh, reversed earlier rulings and decided to allow what lawyers call other acts evidence. That is that um, he... Unlike in the first trial, in this trial, the prosecution was allowed to introduce the testimony of other women who said that essentially Cosby did the same thing to them. So in this particular case, it wasn't just necessarily the word of the complainant, the, the victim against Cosby. It was there were other people and you could say, well, OK, maybe she's lying. But would all these other women be lying as well? That decision to allow the other acts evidence is going to be. Um, the subject of an appeal, but I think that that's probably what ended up um, perhaps swaying the the jury in this particular case. We'll have more analysis on that coming up probably in the one o'clock hour, and certainly more follow up. What do you do with a guy like Bill Cosby, uh, who's eighty years old? Do you send him to prison? That's going to be the interesting thing. Twelve fifty four. Back with more as we talk about cars in just a minute. Stick around. Twelve fifty-seven. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. How are the Packers looking after round one of the NFL draft? What holes still need to be filled? Voice of the Packers, Wayne Larravee, joins Jane McNair with his analysis. Tune in, 751 tomorrow on Wisconsin's Morning News. Like I was saying a minute ago, we got all sorts of stuff going on. You know, we'll be covering here on WTMJ. We'll be covering the Bucks celtics Game 6. Maybe win or lose the last Bucks game at the Bradley Center. Hopefully it'll be a win. Go back to Boston for Game 7 on Saturday. The Brewers have won eight games in a row, taking care of business, sweeping um, the Kansas City Royals, and, and they played really, really good baseball. They take on the Chicago Cubs at Wrigley Field this afternoon, uh, this evening. That's on 94.5 KTI Country. And, of course, the NFL Draft kicks off round one tonight. We'll be bringing you coverage of that as well, but full coverage will be online at WTMJ.com. So all that stuff is going on. The Bill Cosby verdict is in as well. I'll give you my analysis, and we're going to open up the phone lines um, on that probably in the 1.30 segment of the program because I, I do I want to talk about what Ford Motor Company is doing today, which I think is going to perhaps affect the way lots and lots of us drive cars. So all that is coming up. Don't go anywhere. We've got a jam-packed program. It's 12.59. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.
It's 108. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Glad to have you with us. Boy, lots of stuff going on. We'll talk a little bit about Bill Cosby in about a half hour or so. But I, I want to go back to this story. It involves Ford Motor Company. And as I was saying before the break, um, my, my wife and I are looking for a, another car. And originally, the, the plan was she's been driving. She's never had an SUV. And she was driving sedans. And I was going to say, all right, tell you what, let's let, let's get you, you know, a, a new sedan. Um, maybe we'll, you know, maybe I've, I've never had like a really expensive car and, and this, I'm not talking about stupid money, but you know, maybe we'll get you a luxury one and all and, um, I'll drive it from time to time. And she said, well, you know, um, I, I really like driving your SUV. It's a year old Honda SUV, CRV. So I really like that. And no, why don't, why don't I take that car? I'll take your car and, um, you know, you, you just get the new sedan for yourself. But she said, and this is why I married a very wise woman, she said, but are you sure you're going to like that? Because you, you do sit lower and you're six foot one tall and all that. And I, I've, I've really been thinking a lot about that. And the, the truth of the matter is, I, I like, there's a reason why my last several cars have been SUVs. And it's because I like sitting a little bit higher. I, I kind of like the room. Nowadays, they handle pretty well. And I've kind of come to the conclusion, forget kind of, I have come to the conclusion the last few days. Matter of fact, I said to her, I'll tell you what, you know, if you want an SUV, why don't we just buy a second SUV? But let's just let, you know, and because candidly, even though I, I'd like a nice sedan, at the same time, I don't think I'm ready at this point to give up driving an SUV. And you want an SUV, right? She said, yeah. So I think that's what we're going to end up doing in a couple of weeks. We'll go out and buy a, another SUV, trade in her sedan. Now, I bring this up because Ford Motor Company is out with an announcement. Now, Ford, you know, you, you talk about General Motors and you talk about Ford. And, you know, you're talking about the history of American automotive automobiles. Ford announced this morning, actually yesterday afternoon, Ford announced that they are changing their production. And they have announced that, um, I, I think, starting, what, next year, they are going to essentially get out of the business of producing cars. Now, they're not getting out of the business of producing um, autos, but they are going to be dropping all but two cars from their North American dealerships. The only passenger car models that Ford says it plans to keep on the market in North America is going to be the Mustang and a new car called the Ford Focus Active, which is a crossover-like hatchback that's going to debut in the next model year. What that means is Ford is no longer going to produce the Fiesta. They're no longer going to produce the Ford Taurus, which for a while was, if not the leading, I mean, it, it was Taurus and Camry were, were the big sedans. They're not going to produce the Taurus. They're not going to produce the Fusion and they're not going to produce the regular Ford Focus. They will have this new Ford Focus Active, which is a crossover hatchback. Um, they are, however, going to continue to produce their full line of trucks, SUVs, and crossovers. Um, by 2020, almost 90% of the Ford portfolio in North America will be trucks, utilities, and commercial vehicles. Um, so they're just saying, look, we're, we're getting out of, we're essentially getting out of the car business. Um, they say 
that what we're finding is that there's just not the customer demand for for the cars. You know, the Taurus, the Fusion, um, all these other type of things, the Fiesta, there's just not enough demand to make it worthwhile. On top of that, their profit margins are, of course, greater in the SUVs and the crossovers and things like that. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I I would not be surprised if other companies end up following suit. And I guess the question is going to become, you know, are we going to get to a point shortly where there's really no interest, where we're driving a sedan or a compact car really becomes kind of a, a small niche like the people who go out and, and buy vinyl records. I mean, I, I think there's always going to be a demand for cars. But Ford is saying, hey, you know, we're just not seeing it. We're getting out of the car business. What happened? Is this going to be the wave of the future? Are you surprised that Ford has done this? Are you outraged that Ford is doing this? Or does this just make business sense? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And again, one of the things that kind of drew me into this is having this conversation with myself and with my wife over the course of the last couple of weeks. Ultimately, I kind of decided I've been driving SUVs for years, and I'm not ready to give up driving a, an SUV, even if the alternative meant you know one of these cars that I've always kind of really wanted, sort of a higher-end luxury car. I don't want to give up my SUV. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do you think we're going to get out of the business of driving mid-size sedans and compact cars? And pretty soon are we all or almost all of us going to be driving SUVs or crossovers? 414-799-1620. And if so, why? If you're on the line, please hold on. We discuss next. It's 114. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 116, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, New Milwaukee and WTMJ present YP Week. That's Young Professionals Week. For a full list of Milwaukee's YP Week events, just check out the future promotion section at WTMJ.com or text the word LIST to the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line 414-799-1620. While you're at WTMJ.com, check out our podcast page. I know lots and lots of you. I see the numbers. Download our daily podcast. That way you make sure you don't miss a thing, and I very much appreciate it. All right. I, I, had, I, I Maybe this was the trend, but I admit I was somewhat surprised. Ford Motor Company announcing yesterday that they're essentially getting out of the car business. They're no longer going to make the Fusion. They're no longer going to make the Taurus. They're no longer going to make the Fiesta. They're going to make crossovers, and they're going to make SUVs, and they're going to make trucks. All right. Is this the wave of the future? Let's start with Dan in East Troy. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Hi, thanks. Hi, Dan. Uh, Yeah, I think it's a very interesting move by Ford. I think they're a leader in the business. I I personally, I have an old Taurus, but my other car is a big Suburban and a Mm -hmm. A little sports car. So I think they're making the right moves. And I think the whole Uber thing is going to take off. And people just be getting around with, you know, these, these share ride things. Well, right. And I guess part of the share ride thing is maybe SUVs are the way to go with that as well. Um, now, thanks for calling. I mean, see, I, I mean, I understand Mustangs are iconic. And obviously, I think they, they feel that, okay, Mustangs, 
We're going to be able to go out, and this is going to appeal to kind of like, like that niche market that I was talking about. You know, people are going to want to drive the Mustangs and those things. But um, as far as the other cars, I, I see, I just think it comes down to profitability. There is pressure on Ford to make money. And if you're producing these lines of cars that aren't selling that well, and the profit margins aren't as large as, say, on the Ford Escape or the Ford Explorer or whatever, at some point in time, it just makes sense to do it. Now, I admit I'm a little bit surprised that they did it in, in that they didn't just they didn't kind of dip their toe into this, as opposed to simply saying, "Okay, all these sedans um, are, are going to be gone." Um, but, but I guess that's what the economics are. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. John and McGuanago. John, good afternoon. Yeah, I'm not not at all surprised. Um, I own a 2004 Ford Fiesta, 2014. Sorry. Right. And it's it's not a very good car. So yeah, I'm a little shocked that they dropped everything, but I'm not surprised to see them go with, you know, that lineup. Right. Because um, it's interesting, you know, my my current car, like I say, I have a Honda right now, my my daily driver. Um, I I had two escapes before that, and I I like both of them. I had no complaints about that. Um. I don't remember the last time I owned a sedan, in all honesty. And it's I think it would be tough. I've really been thinking about this. I think it would be kind of tough to go back to driving a sedan, honestly. Well, I guess it all depends on gas prices, what you right. want to drive. But um, when Ford puts out something that I'm on 60,000 miles and I'm on my third transmission yeah. going on my fourth, yeah. and they're not doing anything about it, I, I think, you know, yeah, <laughs> problems with the car. that's going to – curve sales well no thanks for no no question about it i mean my guess is you're not going to buy one of those cars again if you've got those problems i mean i don't i don't since i haven't been in the market for a compact car or a mid-sized sedan i i've really never kind of checked the reliability and i don't know how the Taurus compares with the camry or things like that for example other than i mean i remember it seems like not that long ago that i mean the Taurus was for example a huge seller now it now it's getting rid now they're getting rid of it Let's talk to Dave in Waukesha. Hi, Dave. You're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. How you doing? Real well, thank you. What do you think? Uh, I think definitely it's a wave of the future. I mean, kind of like I, I told you, it's kind of like, you know, I mean, look at station wagons went away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, personally, I I would never drive in a sedan. I mean, it's been a long time. I mean, I've had a truck truck forever. And, uh, heck, mm-hmm. I'm driving. I have a Ford F-150 right now. I have almost 300,000 miles on it. And it's an old two, and she still runs fine. You know, I mean, that type of thing. And, uh, Do you think um, we are going to see more auto manufacturers follow suit? I mean, is Toyota or Honda, I mean, are they going to be the, the next ones to go? Uh, you know what? I think when it gets to when it gets to Toyota and, and, you know, and Honda and things like that, they're always going to be, they're more sedan-driven than they are truck-driven. Right. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, especially like Lexus and, you know, and, and some of those iconic, you know, right. models like that. So, I mean, Ford's been known for trucks and their SUVs, and, and they're well, not known for it, but I mean, they're right. and you're, you know, the biggest seller. So, I mean, realistically, I think they're just they're just going to hone in on their niche, and I think uh, I don't think you're going to see it with some of the other ones, like the other, you know, like the Volvos and the, the Subarus and things right. like that. I I have no idea what direction they're going to go, but um, I think Toyota and Honda are going to stay with sedans because their trucks have never really. Right. Well, I mean, I mean, thanks. I mean, I think Honda's top seller is the CRV now. I mean, I, I, but, but yeah, I mean, you, you think it is interesting. Honda came out with, it's got a new Accord and all the reviews, all the reviews love it, but the sales are kind of lagging. Now, 
I, I there might be some reasons for that. Honda doesn't discount like like for example, Toyota does on things. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, look, I'm not saying it's the demise of the sedan. I think there's always going to be a demand for a, a sedan. There's always going to be a demand for compact cars. But this clearly is, it's the wave of the future, and it's kind of dramatic how big Ford is going by not, again, not saying, hey, we're dropping the Taurus line, or we're dropping the Ford Fiesta line, or we're dropping the Fusion line. They're dropping all of the stuff, and now it's going to be, you got the Mustang if you want that. Otherwise, you're dealing with crossovers or SUVs. Bob in Waukesha. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Hi there. How are you doing today? Real well, thank you, sir. Is this, does this surprise you? Um, actually, it does because I uh, the last car I had. I have a Ford Edge right now. And before that, I had a Ford Freestyle. I had two hundred fifty thousand on it. It was still clicking. I traded that in, and I got my Edge. And I, I love driving the Edge, but my wife has a uh, 2015 Ford Fusion, mm-hmm. and she loves uh, driving the Fusion. And she's that type of person that just, you know, she really enjoys the car. And uh, I don't yeah. know, when it comes time for us to get another one, I don't know if she'd want to jump up into getting an SUV. And, right, or the crossover, you know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, or a crossover. The only thing you look at is, Obviously, you know, you'd have to look, if you're going to stay in the Ford line, you'd have to look into a Lincoln, because Lincoln has the MKZ, which is basically um, a Ford Fusion with uh, better sheet metal. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I guess, so if, yeah. if, if Lincoln's not going to get rid of their car line, if you wanted to get a sedan, you'd probably have to look into getting a Lincoln. Right, or, right, or, thanks for calling, or go somewhere outside the Ford line, right, or go outside the family, because, again, a Fiesta Taurus Fusion and the regular Focus they're going to be disappearing in the United States and Canada. I, I think it kind of is the wave of the future. But, you know, like I say, I always try to personalize this stuff. And as somebody who ha- has driven an SUV for years and years, even though I really don't need the space, although with moving over the last year, it, it has been nice to have that extra room. But um, it has occurred to me, you know, I'm not ready to give up that SUV. And I can afford the gas. Right now, gas is still, even though it's up a little bit, it's still relatively affordable. So, I mean, I've made that decision, and apparently a lot of people have as well. And you've got the automaker that is responding. All right, when we come back, some Democratic candidates for governor take on Foxconn. I'll tell you all about it. Stick around. It's 125. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 127, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Grew, you will be glad to know this. The strange case of Amber Schmunk has come to an end. Remember Amber Schmunk? The kiddie pool, right. Amber Schmunk was the woman September 9th picking up a plastic wading pool in Sockville. She didn't think it would fit in her van, so she put it on her roof and then had her, what, nine-year-old son ride up there, too, to hold the pool in place during the drive to her sister's house on local streets. Another reporter, or another driver, reported the site to Sockville police, who followed Schmunk for about a block before she stopped and then took the kid down off the roof. Two patrol cars stopped Schmunk a few minutes later after she had dropped the pool off at her sister's house. She told police that her dad let her do things like that when she was nine, and besides, and besides... And besides, she had her son strapped down on the top of the pool, and the roof ride only lasted 30 seconds before she moved the son back inside and wedged the pool in, too. I had him strapped down on the top of that. What's, what's wrong with riding on the wing of the plane? You were tied down to it. Um, You can't make this stuff up. So anyhow, 
she ended up, uh, she was charged with actually a felony in Ozaki County. She pled guilty in September to second degree recklessly endangering safety. She appeared this morning in front of Ozaki County Circuit Court Judge um, Sandy Williams, former DA up there. Um, and she was, let's see, what's the disposition? She was sentenced, uh, it, it's probation. Um, what was the thing? She was sentenced to three years of probation in order to embrace the help of social services, do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, look, th- th- this was not, I think this was not a jail case. The district attorney didn't recommend jail. But um, I-, I think he had uh, raised some legitimate issues. Um, her lawyer says the client was simply overwhelmed trying to provide, she's a single mother, trying to provide for her four boys age nine, two to nine. And when she saw the free wading pool on the side of the road, she stopped to pick it up with her kids in the minivan. Nobody's got an issue with that. It's you put the kid on the top of the roof. The attorney says, well, she's kind of been victim because people been victimized because people make fun of what she did. Okay. <laughs> All right. Sorry. The idea that, well, dad put me on the top of the roof and the idea that, well, I strapped him down when he was holding the roof. The DA's office was right to charge the case. Putting her on probation for three years is the right result. She doesn't need to go to jail. And I do think she should probably embrace social service. I strapped him down. What could be wrong with that? Where do you start? Okay. So that is the strange case of Amber Schmunk, now disposed of in Ozaki County Court. I guess the lesson is, if you see that wading pool by the side of the road, resist. Resist the urge to take it if it means that you've got to put it on the top of your car and strap your nine-year-old kid on top to hold it down, even if it's only for 30 seconds. Ooh, what a good idea. It's 135, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's do or do die time for the Young Bucks as the series shifts back to Milwaukee for Game 6. Bucks radio analyst Dennis Krause weighs the Bucks' chances of keeping their season alive when he joins Wisconsin's Afternoon News at 420. I just got busted, real. Just, 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 just got busted. Um, my wife is off work tonight, so I said, you know, the thing was, what are you going to do this evening? I said, why don't we just stay home? You know, that there's the Bucks game on, there's the Brewers game on, there's the NFL draft. I just kind of, I want to kind of like, like hang out, got to be at the dentist at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning, see if they can do something with this tooth, I hope to be able to do something with that. Let, let's just kind of, I, I just, I just want to, I want to, I want to hang out and, and let, let's just hang out together. And my wife says, you mean you want to hang out with the television set? No, 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 not at all. Of course not. Of course not. Um, oh, so Gru says your girlfriend isn't thrilled either because you're the same way. You're off tonight, and you're off tonight, and it's like, okay, I want to watch the Bucks, I want to listen to the Brewers, I want to uh, all this stuff. Well, okay, what can you say? All right, the um, we we carried we, as soon as the verdict came in, we we brought it to you. Um, Bill Cosby is a cultural icon. You know, we talked about this a little bit yesterday or two days ago when the case first went to the jury. Bill Cosby. I mean, a lot of people remember him. You know, from from the Cosby Show, which for years dominated, you know, TV ratings. He played Cliff Huxtable, and this was—I I mean, he was—he was America's father. Um, before that, you know, Bill Cosby. You can maybe remember him, the voice of Fat Albert. He created all those cartoon characters. I mean, I remember, you know, Bill Cosby is one of the the first black actors who really, you know, had a starring role on a mainstream TV show. I mean, I Spy with Robert Culp. Um, in addition to that, Bill Cosby, I can remember as a kid getting Bill Cosby records. They were funny as heck. 
And as I said the other day, I had an opportunity, I think I've done it twice, but certainly I, I remember one, to interview him. He was coming to Milwaukee for something. I think it was at the Riverside. And I, I found him to be some... Some of these entertainers are very difficult to interview. Bill Cosby was, was just great. I remember one point in time saying, hey, would you do Fat Albert for me? And, you know, hey, hey, he, he did. So, I mean, that, but that was the public image of Bill Cosby. Obviously, there was a, a second Bill Cosby that w- was out there. Um, you know, Bill Cosby, who's now 80 and in ill health, has been over the last couple of years accused by um, as many as 60 women who have all kind of told the same story, that, that over the years, dating back to the mid-60s, Cosby would drug them um, involuntarily and, and then assault them. Most of these allegations are, are too old. There is a statute of limitations, and, and most of the conduct occurred before the statute of, the statute of limitations has blown. Um, what, what happened here is there's this, um, one woman who, who came forward and, and said, um, she was assaulted back in, uh, 2004. She said she didn't report what had happened to her until a year later in 2005. Said the district attorney in Philadelphia at the time said there was insufficient evidence to charge him. She filed a civil lawsuit against him I- instead. That was settled in 2006. Cosby apparently paid her $3.4 million to settle that case. After um, the first Cosby accusers began coming forward in October of 2014, um, they apparently decided to take another look at this particular case. There's a new district attorney in town, and they decided, all right, we're, we're, we think we still have time under the statute of limitations, and we're going to charge it. And they, they did, in fact, you know, bring a case against him in June of, they brought a case against him in early 2017. There was a trial in June of 2017, and the first jury was unable to reach a verdict. They, they hung on this, because uh, you have to unanimously agree one way or the other whether the person's, uh, whether the state's proved somebody guilty or not. What happened is they made a decision to retry him, and that retrial ended in the three guilty verdicts today. As I was saying earlier, the the big difference between the two trials is the judge in this case allowed what lawyers call other acts evidence. By that I mean the judge in this case allowed four or five other women who said that Cosby did essentially the same thing to them. They were allowed to testify in in this trial. Um, they weren't allowed to testify in the original trial. So in this case, instead of it just being the one woman, you know, one person's word against another, you, you now have the prosecution that was able to say, hey, look, there's a pattern that, that's going on here. It wasn't just her. There's other people who he said did the same thing. Um, that decision to allow the other acts evidence in is obviously somewhat controversial and going to be the subject of, of an appeal, undoubtedly, but doesn't change anything. He has now been convicted. He's 80 years old. He's in ill health. He's looking at three counts. Each of these felony counts carries a maximum of up to 10 years in prison. Up to 10 years in prison. At the end, uh, once the jury convicted him today, and this is going to be part of the story if you're watching TV or listening to radio news later on today, um, the, the prosecutor 
apparently moved to have Cosby's bail revoked. And this is not necessarily an uncommon thing in trials because before a verdict of guilty, you know, you're innocent until proven guilty. Well, after a jury returns a verdict, that, that that's different. Now you've been adjudged guilty. That presumption of innocence doesn't attach. And it is not unusual for judges to say, okay, situations have changed. Now, the reality is Bill Cosby is 80 years old. I doubt he's going to be running anywhere. Um, and the judge refused to revoke the bail. But apparently Cosby started cursing at the prosecutor, you know, in yelling at the prosecutor in, in the courtroom, and you'll hear those reports as well. But the bottom line is, right now, pending appeal, he stands convicted of three counts of the, this assault, looking at a total of 30 years in prison. He's 80 years old, he's in ill health, but... If you believe all the various people that have come forward, this has been a pattern and practice of his. Um, even though he's only convicted of assaulting this one woman, there's this whole universe of other women who said he did the same thing. All right, so here's the $64,000 question. What do you do with Bill Cosby? Do you put him in prison at the age of 80 in ill health for these assaults, which happened a number of years ago the one he was convicted of you know occurred 12 13 14 years ago do you put him in prison at the age of 80 414-799-1620 that's the accident mortgage talk and text line if you were the judge what would you do with bill cosby who is of course has been a cultural icon but you know since this news broke a couple years ago has been pretty much disgraced what do you do with bill cosby now i'm going to take a quick break when we come back, I'll tell you what I would do and what I think the judge should do, but I don't want to, I don't want to bias your opinion. If you were the judge, what would you do with Bill Cosby? 414-799-1620. We discuss next. It's 143. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 147. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. The home team has won every game in the series so far. Greg Matzik believes that trend is going to continue this evening for the Bucks. He will explain why when he's live from the Bradley Center before Game 6. Our coverage starts at 6.07 tonight. Big sports big sports day here. You've got the Bucks on TMJ. Our sister, TV, our sister radio station at KTI Country is carrying, it's 94.5, is carrying the Brewers as they try for a ninth win in a row. Then, of course, you're going to have draft coverage. That's going to be at WTMJ.com. When you're there, check out the podcast page, download the podcast. And in addition, breaking news today, Bill Bill Cosby, cultural icon, found guilty of three counts of essentially sexual assault. He's looking at 10 years on each count when he is sentenced. Um, we'll have coverage all afternoon, including updates from Philadelphia. But my question to you is a simple one. All right, what do you do now with Bill Cosby? If you are the sentencing judge, he's been convicted, he's 80 years old, he's in ill health, what do you do with him? Let's start with um, Ismar in Brookfield. Hello, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I'm a big fan of the show. Thank you, sir. Thanks for calling. Hey, uh, so my take on this is, um, honestly, I think that probation most likely will be appropriate. And the only reason I say that is because, like you mentioned, his age, he's 80 years old, his failing health. I think it would be a huge expense uh, for the prison system potentially to house somebody like that, an elderly person with health problems. It would be very expensive. So I think the victim would, or the victims in this case, have gotten their vindication with a guilty verdict. Um, I just, 
you know, you hear stories, especially, you know, in Milwaukee, where you get a felon with a gun and they get probation. So let me ask you, let me ask you this. Does it trivialize what he did to this woman and to all the other women, even though even though you know he's only been convicted of this one thing, you know, judges are entitled to take into account other stuff. Does it trivialize sexual assault if they say, hey, you're, you're old, so we're going to let you go because you're old? Uh, I mean, I hope it doesn't send the wrong message. Right. I just, I guess I'm looking at it in the context of, um, you know, the system and the taxpayer money. Right. I mean, you're, you're saying, is, is it practical to take an 80-year-old guy who is in ill health, um, what do you gain by, by putting him in prison where it's going to cost all this money to try to, you know, house him and provide for his medical needs? Exactly. Okay, thanks. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm asking people to think about this critically. I'll tell you what I would do if I was a judge in just a minute. But, I mean, th- this is, th- this is the issue that's now going to be faced. Plus, plus he's Bill Cosby. Do you treat him differently because he's, he's Bill Cosby? Is it different than, than maybe somebody else? Do you consider the fact that there are, there, there's 50 or 60 women who said he did the same thing to him? If you don't incarcerate him for this, are you trivializing the fact that this guy was apparently a, a serial rapist? At least the jury's found he's a rapist. And I mean, I think the argument is that he's done this to a lot of people. If he's a serial rapist, can, can you not put him in prison just because he was rich, he was famous, and he was able to avoid just being brought to justice for, you know, X number of years? 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Kimberly in West Bend. Hi, Kimberly. You're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. What would yeah. you do? What I think I would do is to put him on one of those ankle monitoring devices and uh, restrict him to home, home confinement and maybe to visit his doctor and attorney and only, and uh, not able to leave the state in which he lives in permanently. And, you know, if his health declines seriously more so than at this point, he could be hospitalized. But, mm-hmm. um, well, let me ask I, you this. I mean, does that, I mean, you're saying, okay, ankle bracelet, like home confinement. The, the guy lives in this huge mansion outside of Philadelphia. Um, is that really a, a punishment saying, okay, you're, you're 80 years old, you're probably not traveling that much anyways. Here, you know, you're you're confined to your your giant mansion, you know, with your TV, and I don't know if he has a pool or, you know, whatever. I mean, is that is that punishment? Right. I, you know, I think just because the age of some of these acts, you know, the years right. that have, you know, unfortunately passed that, you know, these poor women didn't feel that they could come forward right. years earlier because of this celebrity. Right. You know, I I just feel that that might be more appropriate. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because legally, there's not much, you know, much else they could have done with him. They're, they, you know, I, I'm glad they got the verdict that they got today against him because obviously all these women can't be telling you know, a story about this man. Well, no, yeah, if, if you've got, I mean, thanks, if you've got 50 or 60, I mean, I, and, and I have, I mean, I, I, I mean, I didn't follow the trial closely enough to have an opinion. I didn't watch her testimony one way or the other, but it is, I mean, you know, one of the things you always say is, and you see this with a lot of these type of cases, that if, 
you know, if if it's an isol, if it's one thing, you kind of go, well, really? I mean, it seems out of character, but this does appear to be part of a longstanding pattern and practice. 414-799-1620. Mary in Oshkosh. Mary, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Mary. I think I'm so glad you have this on. Um, I, 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 what I told um, the gentleman that mm-hmm. I spoke to, um, remember the, the Life magazine where it had all the women? Remember the, all re- those women? Remember, the, was it 60 Minutes that had, we're talking, how many women were there? 30, well, 50, 40, 50 or 60. 50 or 60, yeah. Him, that accused him. And I guess this trial wasn't about, it was only about one. There were a number of them testified. I don't think he should be, and he just spent his life denying this. And all these women, if the time frame had not, um, if there hadn't been, what is it, that time, you can only prosecute. Statute of limitations, you know, yeah. Right. If that hadn't happened, and, and this didn't call come sooner, it, I mean, he, he, could have, he could have had how many life sentences? You know? Well, yeah, so, so what do you do? Okay, so he's 80 years old. What do, you, what do you do if you're the judge, Mary? Do you send him to prison? I don't think you, yes, I don't think you treat him anything different than he was. I think his age has nothing to do with it. Okay, thanks for the call. I, um, well, I'm, I, I'm sorry, I just want to get to a couple calls before I have to take the break. Um, Tony in Waukesha. Tony, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Hi, Tony. What do you do with Bill Cosby? Put him in jail. He is no different than anyone else, and I think it's very unfortunate that he has enjoyed all these years of freedom after all these heinous crimes. Yeah, see that, if you don't, you send the message that if you are rich and powerful um, and, you know, and, and un- that you're sort of untouchable, um, and, and that, you know, you're, you're able to get away with this stuff. Tony, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I understand people can make the argument, what, what good comes from putting an 80 year old guy in prison? Well, okay, you can make the argument a lot of times, you know, what, what good comes from putting anybody in prison? You, you do it for punishment. And he's been convicted of doing something that we would all agree is horrible. And, and I think there has to be a degree of accountability. And with all due respect to a couple of our callers saying, okay, you're on house arrest, so you have to stay in your mansion. To me, yeah. th- that's not that's not the degree of accountability. And for people who feel sorry for Bill Cosby, no pun intended, he made his bed. You know, he made his bed, and now he's lying in it. Well, and the other point of what it does is all these women didn't feel they were empowered enough right. to come forward. So maybe if these women moving forward, other women, see that there is justice that they muster up the courage to address this, maybe these kinds of things won't continue. Yeah. And I, again, and, and thanks, for, I mean, and, and I don't know, I, I'm not, by the way, I'm, I'm not assuming that, that everybody who, who came forward and said they were sexually assaulted, I, I'm not... I'm not assuming that was all the case. I mean, some of these things go back to the 60s, and that was a different sort of time. And, and, and I, I don't know whether some of this might have been sort of a consensual type of thing at some point in time. I, I don't know. You have to look at each case individually. We, we do know that at least the jury in this particular case has found that, you know, he is in fact guilty. Now, here's one of the things that could in fact happen, though. Like I say, there is going to be an appeal. And in my opinion, the judge's decision to allow this other act's evidence, the testimony of these other women into evidence, I think was probably a decisive factor in this, and th- there is going to be an appeal. Um, my guess is the judge imposes a jail sentence, a prison sentence, but whether or not the judge lets him stay out pending appeal, and an appeal in this case could take a year or two, 
that's going to be I think that's going to be the the question. It, it do I think he's going to prison? Yeah, I think there's going to be a prison sentence. The bigger determination and you heard it here first is going to be once the sentence is imposed, do they revoke his bail or do they allow him to stay free on bail pending appeal, which could be a couple years and the truth is, you know, we 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 don't know when our maker calls us home. But, um, you know, I, how much longer is Bill Cosby going to live, given that he's in ill health and you've got the stress of this situation? No sympathy for Bill Cosby. It's just um, it is unfortunate that this ended up this way. It, it it just did because, you know, Bill Cosby brought a lot of joy to a lot of people. Um, it's just, again, maybe it's one of these things where you've got the public people and what they do in private might be different. It's 157. This is Jeff Wagner. We've got great stuff coming up in the next hour. Lots of great topics that I think are going to be thought-provoking, so stick around. It's 157. Jeff Wagner, so glad to have you with us. Okay, um, an abbreviated show tomorrow because there's an early Brewers game, so a lot of ground to cover. A um, number of interesting things I want to discuss, you, discuss with you. And boy, what a bunch of interesting news that's going on. And of course, today is a huge sports day. We cannot emphasize that enough. Brewers go for their ninth win in a row tonight in Chicago. Bucks try to extend the playoff series against the uh, Celtics. To a game seven, big game tonight. You can hear that here on WTMJ and the NFL draft. And I think what's so cool about this NFL draft is it, it is the it is the silver lining in the dark cloud that was last year's very disappointing season that the Packers, um, you know, are probably going to get a, a real stud of a player. I mean, they're picking at fourteen, and it's been a while since they've picked that high, which is a reflection of the bad season they've had. Okay, I want to tell you the story, and then I want to get your reaction. Um, and it's, it's one of these things it's tough to take politics out of, but I am curious as to how you react. All right. There is no secret that just like in the category of men are from Mars and women are from Venus, um, almost everybody has an opinion on president Trump and almost everybody has a strong opinion. Some people continue to think that president Trump is, getting a really raw deal from the media and he's doing a tremendous job and how dare you criticize him for anything. And I hear from you. And other people think that President Trump is the worst thing in the world. He is destroying this country. He is evil. He needs to be, the resistance needs to get him out of there by any means possible. He can't do anything right. And I hear from you as well. So I understand that he is very controversial. Well, here's the story. Group of guys from Pennsylvania, um, they go to New York City in January of 2017, shortly after President Trump's inauguration. And they, they go, these guys, it's three or four guys, they are Trump supporters. I'll tell you why people know that in a minute. But they go to visit the uh, 9-11 memorial. And one of the guys is wearing a red Make America Great Again hat, you know, one of the, the Trump hats. So after they visit the the 9-11 memorial, they decide that they want to get a drink. So they roll into a New York City bar called the Happiest Hour. And the guy is the guy's wearing his, you know, Make America Great Again cap. Um, apparently what happens is the server, extremely rude to this, this group of people. 
um, and they're not getting service, and the server is rude. And then finally, guy in the, one of the operators or owners of the bar comes over to them and says, look, anyone who supports Trump or believes in what you believe is not welcome here, and you need to leave right now because we won't serve you. Get out. All right, so they leave the bar. Now, instead of simply going to another bar, or maybe they did go to another bar, and letting this rest, saying, okay, you don't want our business, we don't find. What the guy does is he turns around and he files a lawsuit. He sues the bar, saying that they unlawfully refused to serve him simply because he was a Trump supporter. All right, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Does the guy have a claim? Went into the bar, asked uh, for a drink or whatever, was refused service. The reason he and his friends were refused service was admittedly He's a Trump supporter, and the people who run the bar say that anybody who supports Trump or believes in what you believe is not welcome here. You need to leave right now because we won't serve you. Was the bar within its rights to refuse to serve the guy because he was a Trump supporter? What do you think? 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. When we come back, I'll, I'll tell you actually what happened in this. And I'll, I'll tell you whether I agree with it or not. But what is your reaction? I mean, should a bar owner, and, and again, this is a bar, but I don't know, it could be any business. You know, I don't care if you run a donut shop or a grocery store or whatever. Should you, as the owner, have the right to refuse to, ref- to provide service to somebody because of their political beliefs? What do you think? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 214. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Two seventeen, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, all right. Now here's where it's really interesting. If you're just tuning in, here, here's the story: group of Trump supporters, one wearing a "Make America Great" hat, goes to New York City visit the 9/11 memorial right after the Trump inauguration. They go into this bar in New York called, interestingly enough, the Happiest Hour, and the staff they're rude to them. They refuse to serve them. Because they say, yeah, you know, you're essentially, well, what specifically they say is anyone who supports Trump or believes in what you believe is not welcome here. You need to leave right now because we won't serve you. He then turns around and sues. Should they have the right to do it? Now, Bill and O'Connor walks, sends me a text. He says, it's no different from the bakery that would not make a cake for the same-sex couple. He should sue them. Tom in West Bend makes the same point. How is this any different than the cake maker refusing to make a cake for a gay couple's wedding? He was found guilty, had to pay a hefty fine. Um, all right, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this the same? Matt in Burlington. Hi, Matt. You're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you? I am well, thank you. Okay, what what should happen? Does the guy have a case? I don't think the guy's going to have a case, but I think uh, he's probably going to, uh, you know, if you base it on, you know, free speech, they kind of are exercising their free speech right. They're not going to stay in business long. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, by, by, know, by eliminating half of the population, <laughs> eliminating right. those 50% of the people who might support President Trump, yeah. Yeah, and also in the thing I mentioned to your screeners, 
you compare this to the case of the um, baker that didn't want to sell to the couple, the gay couple, uh, right. citing moral grounds. Right. And he said he felt it would be immoral in his belief. Well, politics and morality are kind of coming together in the United States now. Mm-hmm. That's how people are lined up in their camps now. Well, it is. I mean, th- thanks for calling, Matt. Let, let me let me tell you how this is different from the cake issue. Uh, businesses, you know, you go into the place where it says that we reserve the right to refuse service to anyone. No shoes, no shirt, no service, whatever. Businesses have the right to decide who they are going to serve and who they are not going to serve. And they can serve you. For any, they can make that decision based on any reason or no reason, as long as it's not an illegal reason. Now, the, in in fe, both federal law and in many states, there are protected classes uh, of people. You can't be discriminated against because of of your gender. You can't be discriminated against based on your your race. You can't be discriminated against based on your religion. You can't, in some some states, Wisconsin being one of them, you can't be discriminated against based on your sexual orientation. So the the cake maker, whether you the, the and the, you know the issue with that was whether the guys legitimately held religious views, you know, trumped the no pun intended the the law that said you can't be discriminated against based on sexual orientation. But in in the cake case. Um, the gay couple was a member of a protected class because of their sexual orientation. So that's what got the law in. But otherwise, you can refuse to, you know, provide service. I mean, and that's, you know, you could walk in, for example, I mean, you could walk into a, a bar in Chicago wearing Packers gear, and the owner of the bar could say, we don't serve Packers fans here. Packers fans, being a Packer fan, is not a protected class. Being a Trump supporter is not a protected class. So you could, now you can argue it's a stupid business decision to, to do that. But yeah, I mean, I there, this isn't a protected class. And businesses have the right to decide, again, for who they are going to serve and not serve. And you can refuse to serve anybody. You, you, as long as again you're not in that protected class. You could have a business that says, you know what, we're not going to, um, I, I don't know, we're not, we're not going to serve people that have blonde hair. You know, we're not going to serve people that have blonde hair. And you know, having blonde hair, you're not a member of a protected class. You're not being discriminated against. Well, the the, the business owner could make that decision. That's why the judge in New York. Actually, yesterday threw out the case. Said, "No, we, we don't have a case." And, and even though it, it is offensive, and I understand as somebody who's a conservative, you know, um, somebody who is more often than not a supporter of the president, you say this just doesn't sound right that you shouldn't be able to get a drink in this place. Well, that's it is America, and that's the flip side, you know, uh, of this. Now, it is interesting if you had reversed the situation and you had a conservative bar owner who had somebody walk in wearing an Obama sweatshirt, and they said, okay, I'm not going to serve you because you're an Obama supporter, you know, would would people have felt the same way? But the bottom line is businesses do have the right to decide who they're going to serve and who they're not going to serve. And in this case, I, I think the judge was right.
My hope is these guys went and found another place to have a beer after visiting the 911 memorial. And I, I do think it's fair to consider, gee, do I want to go and hang out at a bar that where, you know, they're not going to serve or, or I can't talk about my political beliefs or they're not going to serve people who think like I think. But do they have a right to do it, even if it's not the right thing to do? The answer is yes. It's 223. This is Jeff Wagner. When we come back, um, it is a peculiar decision that some candidates for governor are making. Stick around. It's 226. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, Peggy and Waukesha makes the point. Yeah, Bill Penzi, who's the, the whacked out lefty who runs Penzi Spices, who sends the newsletters with all the hateful stuff about conservatives and things. Um, does he have a right? Does his business have a right to say we're not going to serve people? We will not sell to people who come in wearing Trump hats. Yeah, they have a right to do it. They, they you know, your political beliefs are not, as a general rule, that's not going to be a protected sort of thing. And businesses can, in fact, decide whether they're going to do that or or not. Now, you can argue whether it's smart business sense, but that is just the reality that's out there. All right. Speaking of another reality, there are what's the last count who's producing the show today and always how, how many democrats do you have running for governor i mean it's like i i mean it's it's like yeah you go oh yeah you no you need you need two hands and both feet to, to count the number of people that are running there it is it's kind of like the clown car act you know when you go to the circus and you have those little cars and all of a sudden all the people kind of jump out of the clown cars that's sort of what it is it's all these people that nobody's ever heard of jumping out of the clown car everybody's trying to you know break through and and establish themselves. And I, I understand everybody's running to be the anti-Walker, but that's only going to, as a re- matter of reality, that's only going to get you um, so far. So in an effort to try to push to the left and distinguish themselves, you have some people that are out there, well, saying some really, really, at least in my opinion, dumb things. All right, Foxconn. Now, maybe, maybe, maybe if you're rooting against the state of Wisconsin – and you really hate Scott Walker, maybe Foxconn will not turn out well. All right? Just just maybe it will not turn out well. But I think for most of us, we are hoping that this is a, a game changer as far as the state's economy. We hope that this is going to, you know, fully blossom. That you're, you know, your Foxconn's going to bring in ultimately the thirteen thousand good family supporting, high paying jobs that you're going to have, you know, a growth around that whole corridor of all sorts of supporting businesses. You know, maybe it's going to happen, maybe it's not. But I think for for most of us, for anybody who cares about this state, you want to see Foxconn succeed. And if it doesn't, I guess somewhere down the road you, you've got, and I told you so coming, but, you know, unless you really, really, really hate the state of Wisconsin, you should want to see it succeed. Well, there's a couple of these candidates who are running for governor. There's a story about this in the Madison paper. Um, Matt Flynn, who's a Milwaukee attorney who's run for just about everything there is to run for and is lost. And he's got it. Gosh, Matt's probably got to be upper 60s or 70s now. And he, he's part of that old generation that wants one more kick of the cat. He's apparently saying that that if he's elected governor, he's going to end the Foxconn deal no matter what saying he would sue. Isn't that the great response from a lawyer? He would enter litigation to break the contract if necessary. Uh, Dana Walks, who's this kind of whacked-out state representative from Eau Claire, he says, 
Um, we're going to monitor this contract closely. If they breach it, we're going to sue them. When they break this contract, we'll find a way to end it. And, and other politicians, including Paul Soglin, the dip, hippy-dippy mayor from Madison, they're all saying that the same sort of thing. We're, we are considering trying to end the contract with Foxconn. Okay. <laughs> Have you lost your minds? I mean, seriously, I understand as a policy matter, you know, you could argue whether it was a good idea or not. Although I, I think, again, unless you're really part of the, the Walker derangement syndrome, it's hard to argue that Foxconn wasn't a, you know, it doesn't have the potential to be a huge deal. But instead of rooting for it to succeed, you have some people who are so politically motivated that they are grasping at any straw to try to distinguish themselves against the, among the, like, hate Walker left, that they're actually talking you know, before the, it becomes an ongoing concern into trying to break the contract with Foxconn and go back to square one? I mean, really, anybody that would say this, whether it's Dana Walks or Matt Flynn, they immediately have disqualified themselves from being qualified to be the governor. I don't know who's going to emerge, you know, who ultimately is going to get on the top of the pyramid with everybody jumping out of the clown car. But anybody who argues, well, we're going to sue to break the deal with Foxconn, you shouldn't even give them the time of day because they are not serious about running the state. 235, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. New Milwaukee and WTMJ present YP Week. This is Young Professional Week. For a full list of Milwaukee's YP Week events, just check out the featured promotion section at WTMJ.com or text the word LIST to the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. That is 414-799-1620. While you're at the website, check out our podcast page as well. Uh, Wayne Larrabee's podcast always interesting. And I know a lot of you download my podcast and listen to it on your own time. I very much appreciate that as well. All right. It's interesting to me what people view as significant or what people don't view as significant. Gru, who's producing the show today, 2500 bucks. 2500 bucks. is that a big deal for you? You say yes. Okay, so if if at the end of the year... I was able to figure out a way to get you an extra $2,500. You would say, Jeff, you don't need to get me a Christmas present. That, that's great, because $2,500, there's a, a lot of stuff you would do, right? It would pay your rent maybe for a couple months or whatever, maybe help make some car payments, whatever. 2500 bucks is a big deal, right? Okay, my, my producer, Grooves, put on the spot, says yes. I think 2500 bucks is a big deal as well. I mean, if, if you were walking down the street, for example, and you saw a stack of $100 bills on the ground, you say, my God, there's a bunch of $100 bills there. And you went and you picked it up, and there's 25 of them. I got 2500 bucks. And you went, let's say, you know, you're, you're, you want to make sure that it's, you should be legally entitled to it. So you turn it into the police, and they say, oh, nobody's claimed this here. You keep it, that 2500 bucks. That's found money. How cool is that? I am at a point in my life where... One of the coolest things is you ever, like, put on a pair of blue jeans that you haven't worn for a while that, that have been, like, in the wash or, or something, and you reach into the pocket, and there's 10 bucks in there. I That, to me, is one of the greatest feelings in the world. And it's, it's just like it's found money. You know, it's one of those things that you wore these pants, you, you wore these blue jeans last fall, and you were out, you know, you were at, uh, you know, the um, Oktoberfest or whatever, and you had a bunch of cash 
and you'd had one too many beers, you were probably overserved, and so you know you stuck a bunch of money in your pocket, and you hadn't put on those pants for the whole winter. Now you go to put them on, and there's like ten, fifteen bucks in it. That's a great feeling to me. It it is found money. I get excited over ten or fifteen bucks that I didn't have coming, much less twenty five hundred. Well, why do I bring this up? Well, the vice president of the United States, Mike Pence, was was in town yesterday. He was doing this speech, and he was doing a fundraiser for you know Governor Walker. And, you know, one of of the things that he was talking about was the, the the tax reform law that was signed into law by the president, passed by with very, very few Democratic votes in both the Senate and and the House. A typical family of four in Wisconsin will save two thousand five hundred dollars on their taxes this year under the new law now that that is on an average some people will save more some people will will save less i mean there are some winners and there are some losers and uh, part of it's going to depend on whether you itemize or not and um, because the, the amount of money that you're going to be able to claim for state and local deductions is limited and things like that. So there will be some people who, who maybe even have to pay a little bit more. But on average, the average Wisconsin family of four is going to save $2,500 on, on their taxes. Now, I thought this was interesting because, you know, in covering this, in, inevitably, I understand you've got the, you've got the TV cameras and they've, they've got to go out and they've, They've got it. You can't just you can't just present Mike Pence saying, hey, you know, Scott Walker's doing a great job. And, you know, the average family is going to get twenty five hundred dollars. So what they have to do is they have to you know go outside and they have to find some of one of the what do the people call themselves? The resistance, you know, some of the people on the street. And there were a handful of, of these, you know, protesters who are, are out there who are complaining uh, about this stuff. You know, and, and they're saying, "Oh, you know, twenty five hundred dollars." Well, this is—I mean, this is this this tax rate. That twenty five hundred dollars is nothing. That twenty five hundred dollars is nothing. And you know, some of the wealthier people, the people that mo- make the most taxes, they're more likely to get more than twenty five hundred dollars than the people who pay almost nothing in taxes. So this is a giveaway to the rich. But it's poo pooing the average family of four in Wisconsin getting twenty five hundred dollars back. We're paying $2,500 less in tax. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I confess it's stuff like this that makes my head want to explode. Now, the reality is that if you pay a lot in taxes, you know, just percentage-wise, you know, you're, you know, if you get the same percentage back as somebody who pays almost nothing in tax, as a net bottom line, you're going to get a higher amount back. You can't give somebody, for example, who doesn't pay $5,000 in taxes, um, who, who only pays $2,000 in taxes, you can't give them $2,500 back. They haven't paid that much. But this idea that, that two grand or $2,500 for an average family of four isn't going to mean anything or isn't going to make any difference. I mean, really, have we lost our minds on this? Have we lost our minds? Can we not agree that putting more money back into people's pockets is a good thing. And if these numbers are true, the average family of four in Wisconsin is going to get $2,500 more than they had last year as a result of tax reform. Isn't that a good thing? 
Aren't you going to be able to use that $2,500? And people are already starting to see this with less withholding on their paychecks. 414-799-1620. Should we turn up our nose at $2,500? Is that really chump change? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 242, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. And by the way, if you think it is chump change, call me up because I've got some suggestions on maybe, you know, some people who might be able to use that money. 242, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. If you're on the line, please hold on. 245, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I honestly, I'm not going to know until next year whether this tax reform bill helps me or hurts me. I I personally, I, I, I don't know. Um, my life's changed a little bit as far as deductions and stuff. But but as a general rule, I, I, I mean, I support it. Even if I might not be one that gets most of the benefit of this, anything that is going to say to the typical family of four in Wisconsin, here, you, you get to keep $2,500 more of your money. I think that that's a, a good thing. And Mike Pence is here touting it, the vice president, and all these people poo-pooing, oh, this, this tax reform stuff. Oh, it, it helps the upper class more than it helps the middle class. Well, all right. I mean, 2500 bucks on average in a family of four's pocket, I think that's more than chump change. Pete in Brookfield. Pete, you're on WTMJ. Hi. I, um, on I-94 West, um, between the zoo and the Moreland Road um, exit, there's a billboard with Ron Johnson's picture on it. Okay. And it says, with the recent tax cut, Ron Johnson's getting $250,000 tax cut. How much are you getting? It's like, well... Maybe Ron Johnson pays ten times more taxes than I do. <laughs> well, yeah, Jeez, Louise. I, well, know, well, it it, it I'll is. Take my twenty five hundred bucks. Well, well, it, it, exactly. And and I mean, see, part of the reality is that if I mean, if you pay, as we were talking about, I mean, if you pay a lot of money, you know, percentage wise, you're you're going to get more back. If if you if you only pay two thousand dollars in taxes, you can't get twenty five hundred dollars back. You'll be paying, you know, you'll, you'll be paying nothing. People, but I mean, this idea that oh well, it's only twenty five hundred dollars. I, you know, here's what I hope happens, Pete. You know, for everybody, you know, for the Republican candidates, Kevin Nicholson, Leah Vukmir, who's running against Tammy Baldwin, this should this should be the billboard. This should be the TV ad because Tammy Baldwin voted against this. That would I think this should be one of the lead things. You know. Tammy Baldwin had a chance to put $2,500 more back in your pocket. She voted no. Is this the type of leadership we want? I mean, turn that into an issue. Turn that into a referendum and see how it plays out. Yeah, I agree. You no, know, thanks. I mean, again, it's and it's this this sort of sniffling, well, $2,500, what are you going to do with that? And, and again, like I say, I don't know if I'm going to come out ahead of this or not. I, I don't know where it's all going to shape out because um you know i use i itemize and don't know if i'm gonna be able to itemize moving forward don't know let's talk to paul in janesville paul you're on wtmj hello hey jeff how you doing real well thank you sir what do you think well i'm not a big supporter of mr trump but i will tell you this i am pushing 70 and if those guys out in front do not want their twenty five hundred dollars <laughs> I, I will leave you my name and address and they can <laughs> it's kind of down to me, man, because you know, I'm semi-retired. I could use it you know, when I go to the casino, and that might help me a little bit. <laughs> well, okay. Well, let, let's take you out of the equation, Paul, because you're just going to fritter away at the casino. But, I mean, imagine if you're you know, a family of, you're a family of four, you know, um, mom and dad are both working. You've got two kids in school that you're trying to figure out how to, how to you know, clothe, you know, clothe and feed and all that type of stuff. Twenty five hundred bucks. I, you know, that's that. That's got to be a mortgage payment. That's got to be a car payment or two. That's got to be something that you could really use. Well, yeah. I, I mean, it's pretty obvious. I mean, you know, 
uh, protesting is fine, but I mean, this guy's going to put 2,500 hours in your pocket. Uh, <laughs> common sense says take the 2,500 hours, put it in your pocket, and then right. protest to something else or something. I don't know. Well, exactly, right? Of, of all the different issues that you could, well, it's this is going to be a tax cut for the rich. Well, okay, yes. I mean, people who pay taxes get a tax cut. And, and people who are rich pay taxes. People who are in the middle class pay taxes. Um, I actually, candidly, I've always argued that people, more people need skin in the game. I mean, I, I think, you know, if you look at the numbers, what is it? We're getting to sort of what that tipping point is where, you know, not that many more than 50% of people in the country actually pay federal taxes. I don't think that's a good thing. I think everybody should have some skin in the game. Um, and again, you, you pay taxes in accordance with, you know, what you earn and things like that. But this, oh, this is for the rich. Well, okay, tell that to the family of four who's making 60 grand a year. Mom and dad, you know, both working either full time or part time. Tell them that $2,500 isn't going to make a big difference. Let's see. Andrew sends me a text. $2,500 is a significant amount of money. The new tax law makes sense to people like you and me, but the protesters are mad. The taxpayers get their own money back. They want it to go to people who don't pay taxes in the form of a government handout. Um, yes, 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 yes. Mike makes the point. I'm a firm believer that sometimes just because you don't benefit from something doesn't mean that it's wrong. Let me give you an example. All right, schools. What if you do not have children? All right, you know, you are for years and years. I, I don't have children. For now, I've got stepkids, I guess. But growing up, I didn't. I don't have my own kids, and you know, growing up, you know, um, you know, I paid property taxes, which supported the school system in the community I lived, even though I wasn't using that school. Well, I didn't have a problem with it, you know, because I mean, overall, I thought I got something out of it because it, you know, help property values high, so it's a desirable area when you get around to selling your house. But but nevertheless, I agree with you completely, Mike. Just because you don't necessarily benefit from something doesn't mean that it's wrong. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Mike in Glendale. Mike, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you doing? Good. What do you think? I think I think it's, uh, it's sort of like a shell game when you look at the full picture. Uh, to me, the states are broke. Uh, it's, you know, the states are struggling. So whatever money I would save on a federal tax, uh, I'm going to end up spending it at the local and state level, which is really not saving me nothing because everything is steadily going up the cost of living. If you really want to help people, you see, you know, I would much rather that $2,500 go towards education, go towards educating people in lower income areas to become more, uh, more uh, skilled, you know, because, you know, if you save a little bit here, a little bit there, I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to be gone. Well, I mean, but it's, it's but not, let me, but like, but at the same time, Mike, let, you know, you you talk, you, you were saying about how you know, like like states are hurting in Wisconsin. You know, taxes in Wisconsin have have gone down significantly over the course of the last eight years. Now, I don't know about you know the local property taxes if you're living in Glendale, but now you've got you know federal taxes going down. You've got the state taxes going down. Um, the tax burden on average citizens de- decreasing. And isn't that a good thing? Well, yeah, it, 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 in a way, but, you know, then, you know, only so much money is going out, so somebody's going to hurt. So I see the lower class, middle class people hurting because I look at their roads, I look mm-hmm. at the inner city schools, so 
where tax money should be spent, rather than saving, they, it needs to be reinvesting. Well, but but you're. I mean, thanks to call, but I guess this is a fundamental difference. I mean, I, I I understand that you know government has an obligation to provide services, and I'm not against good roads or anything like that. But at the same time, if you want to make a difference in in somebody's life, okay, let, let's say you've got a middle class family of four. Um, I, I think the most direct thing you can do is if you can give them $2,500 back, and, and it's it's not a check that you're writing, but if you can lower the tax burden so they get to keep an extra $2,500 of their money as far as, and I mean, I don't know, are they going to use it for utility payments? Are they going to use it for car payment? Are they going to use it for mortgage payment? Are they going to use it to buy, you know, school clothes for their kids or whatever? I would make a strong argument that if you want to positively affect somebody's life, rather than taking 2500 bucks and throwing it into some, I don't know, some government program that might or might not work, I'd say let somebody keep more of their own money. That would be a good thing. But that's that's just me. It's 254. When we come back, we're going to find out. John McCure is back. We're going to find out what he has on his mind on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.